Big thanks to Nightlife for our opening song. I love hearing that every time. Welcome to the F Money Show, the podcast. I'm your host, Franchismar. And I figured while I-99 uh, Radio is on hiatus, I thought it'd be nice to bring back the podcast so all my admiring fans can hear me sans music, which is probably the exact opposite reason of why everyone tunes in. It's I think they... They more tune in to hear the music than to hear me. They tolerate listening to me in between, but now they're stuck with just me. So everyone can cue the sad trombones for that. But I'm happy to be back. I have a guest co-host on this episode. Some of you may know him as Roscoe, a frequent guest on the show. Please welcome Rob Hirsch. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Good, Rob. Rob, how you doing, my man? Not bad. It's been way too long. Yes, it has. I've been hoping uh, for a podcast from you for a long time, too, before the F Money Show. So so we'll we'll go into previous podcasts when we introduce our our guest. But um, so have you been to any cool shows? We haven't hung out since like the last Frying show on I-99 Radio. It's been a couple months. Yes, it has. We need uh, another Frying show again. We do. We do. So what have have you gone to? Tell me what Uh, you've seen. Let's see. Yesterday, I just went to... um, I saw Saint Slumber open for Judah. Oh yeah, that's right, Judah. Thanks. Sorry, <laughs> it was a late night last night. Oh, Rob, and, the, one of the beautiful things about Rob. Now, Rob always calls into the show as as Roscoe. He'll call in the request line, and and he does this week or this week in music history at Roscoe. But Rob freezes on the microphone or the phone every time he calls in. There's three messages, and the first two start out and then you go he'll just grab the voice and go all right don't play that on the radio <laughs> and he'll just but you up. still play it <laughs> i so i play that and i don't play the good one because that's where all the magic happens so all right so you saw jude in the line of monsters and men oh and uh that is it recently okay which which did you like better monsters and men and or jude in the line of monsters and men they had a better stage presence also, I saw from I saw Monsters and Men from the Mez of the Met. Okay, and you could see all the the lights and the the effects and everything, and it was great. And I actually probably knew more songs of Monsters and Men than I knew of Judah. I thought I would know really? way more Judah and the Lion songs, but and, oh, and I had uh, I was at the rail for uh, Judah and the Lion, which was fine and all, but I yeah, I would think of Monsters and Men was impressive that Judah and the show. Lion is playing the Met after two albums, you know, but, uh, and I'm pretty vocal about who I like and who I don't like. And I, I think that's the one nice thing I like about I-99 radio is I get to have an opinion <laughs> on, you know, I try never to bash anyone or be extremely negative, but Hey, not everyone likes the same music. Not everyone's going to dig the same thing. And that's cool. That's what music is about. Like you get to like what you like. You could try to convince people to like what you like, or, or you can have that debate, but never really, of Monsters and Men are one of the, like, the top five that I didn't like. I love the new album. Completely made me a fan. I still don't like the earlier stuff. But the new album kind of won me over. I would have liked to have seen that. It, it was a really good show. And, uh, yeah, so I do have a couple upcoming concerts this week coming up. All right. Tell me. Bastille Ooh, nice. on Monday. All right. And then Robert Plant with Nathaniel Ratliff. <laughs> On Tuesday at the, um, a man. Nathaniel Ratliff is the first concert I ever had a photo pass for, but I love his first album I listened to nonstop. So we're going to go into 
the Hella Mega Tour in in a little bit. I want to introduce our guests because I, I don't want to get sidetracked. So since we can't play music on the podcast, I figured as we do this, we're going to have a special guest every month. So our special guest this time is Jamie Salvatore. Did I say that correct? You did. All right. From Jamie and the Guarded Heart. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, welcome. How are you? So I, I got to say, this is – so I before this podcast, I had another podcast, and it was called My Music, My Concert, My Life. Rob was a listener of that one. So the mm-hmm. last episode I did of that was with Andorra, oh, Kevin, and, and Michael from Andorra, and it was such a nightmare. I had to walk away from it. <laughs> the recording experience? I, I, I had to walk away from it and start a whole new podcast. No, you know. You burned it down. We, we, we burned it down. So what had happened was my co-host at that time, uh, Janet um, Steiner, had I had made a con- comment to her randomly that I wanted to sleep with a female artist. And oh, I didn't care who. So that was the comment that I had made. So she's like, I'm going to make you regret ever saying that. So they put together a list of people and I had to say if I would sleep with them or not sleep with them. And it, you can, like it got to the point where Michael and Kevin vocally checked out of the podcast. They just sat back and were like, eh, we think we're done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a rocky road. To yeah. Run. Yeah. I, so we've abandoned that format. I think that's a great. Idea. That was a, that was a great maybe idea. Just moving on <laughs> pretending like well, it was just a footnote in your history. Yeah. That's what I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Was yeah. it good listening, Rob? You listened to it. It was, it was like listening to a, a train wreck, <laughs> but you could turn away, but <laughs> I'm I getting I'm getting severely uncomfortable no, just thinking we're, of, just we're nervous for you that, and <laughs> it was yeah it was it was that bad it was that oh bad gosh. that that kind of ended that podcast oh, so wow. it, we started although that train wreck started the F Money show on I ninety nine radio and then here we are with a brand new format and and all that is behind us that's a great you know when you're when you're swinging for the the fence sometimes you strike out they yeah. can't all be home runs so. You learn, you readjust, you get back up to the plate. So sometimes you just retire. <laughs> well, we'll see after this one, I guess. So, so I really want to thank you for joining us. Now we Happy have we have featured one of the um, segments on the F Money Show is New Artist Spotlight that I do every week, and I'm partial. I I looked back and I actually did the math. Ninety percent of those bands were Philly bands. Oh, that's awesome. So you know growing up in the Philly suburbs and, and living here my whole life, I'm, I'm partial to that. And I love the music scene and I, I want people to hear it. And being, being an internet radio station worldwide, we get to introduce everyone to markets overseas. It, it's a great opportunity. So I play local bands whenever. So we have played your band in the past yeah. so with great reception. So uh, I'm happy that we're able to do that. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, it was really cool. I remember getting all of the notifications on Twitter and just thinking, hey, this ain't a bad day to be in a band. <laughs> well, <laughs> Some days are not great, so that one was no, great. You know, we <laughs> so had, we really appreciate it. We had uh, egocentric plastic men at one point tweet out saying, we don't know who bought our album, but whoever actually paid for it, thank you. Because I mean, they offered We saw those free. numbers too after that show. It's a real thing. Yeah. Because so, nobody buys music. Yeah, exactly. They're like, you, you don't have to buy it. Whoever actually offered to pay, they're like, thank you. And and the person responded and said, well, I heard you on the F Money show oh, and, and, awesome. and really enjoyed it and wanted to support you. So I'm thrilled to be able to, to do that because I think that 
there's so much to offer in the the Philly music scene. And we talked about that before we actually went on the air. But one of the things that really hit me was I was at the grape room and I can't remember who I was seeing, but I went to the bathroom and the entire bathroom is covered with band stickers. Yeah. I know like 90% of those bands. <laughs> I, I knew none of them. Oh, and, wow. and that's what hit me. I was like, these are all bands with hopes and dreams enough that they went out, made stickers, put it in the bathroom. They obviously played here. Maybe they didn't. I don't know any of them. I didn't know if they still existed or not. And I'm like, that's, I don't want these bands to go that fate. Like all these bands that have great future. And it's, it's sometimes we talked about, it's like who, you know, uh, and and how you get a break and, and things like that. And, you know, even though we're not like a big FM radio station, we want, we want everyone to be heard. We want, you know, we, we love this scene. We want it to be more than a Philly scene. We want it to be an everywhere scene. So, now I feel horrible because I haven't seen you live. Like you're well, you're one of the bands that I'm I'm slacking. Well, you know we don't get a lot of opportunities, um, so I think you know we only play like every month or something. So I understand that you know busy schedule, which is good though. It's you know if you're only playing once a month, some people can oversaturate the market. So it's more of an event. Like if if yeah, if actually, I were to, see you. To, to be fair, it's it's actually closer to like six to eight weeks um, in the Philly market. I, yeah, it was just an effort out of wanting to um, make each show a special experience and kind of pull everyone towards one thing. Um, I think once you get a little bit older, you kind of realize that people's schedules start to get really busy. Life gets a little complicated, so. We like to give everybody plenty of notice, and we like to like make it a night out and know that, hey, you're going to need an Uber tonight because we're going to drink our body weights in tequila. You might need to take three days off. I just want to give people enough planning time. But that's awesome. You know, it's – Rob, how many how many concerts did you see this this, this year? 43? Oh, that's a lot. I see, love I'm, that you know the number. It, it's – um, it's roughly. No, let's just say that that was the exact number. Yeah, no, that that was the exact number. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> we, you know, it's as as I get older, life gets complicated, and yeah. it's it's harder. I think I've maybe been to eleven shows this year. Like I top out a good year for me is probably twenty shows. Um, it's a lot more than the average person. When my when my kids were younger, three years maybe. You know, there was a good. If, you know, I actually document all the shows that I've been to, and there's about a 10-year history where it was like five shows in 10 years. Yeah, it was just a low. I mean, you got just soccer practice to drive it, to. It, just, exactly. exhausted. <laughs> you know, you get to that point where you have a free night, and you're like, do I really want to go out and see this? So the fact that you get, you know, you make it an event, and you get people to come out, that's, that's huge. That's half the battle. Oh, know? yeah. I mean, I think once you start hitting the age where you check the weather— even if you're going to an indoor event and you're like, it's going to rain and driving there in the rain is not awesome. <laughs> so yeah. all of a sudden that's when you know things have, your well, priorities have shifted. We were laughing because I think every time Andorra plays, it, it rains. rains. It rains. Fact. And I saw the last time I saw them was at the bourbon and branch and it never rained so hard. You oh, know, we, the, I went to that show. Oh, were you at that show? Yeah. yeah. We had just, we'd actually played a matinee show that day Okay, at the fire. And uh, we had gone over to see Andorra play. Um, 
maybe the best version of Miss You by the Stones I'd ever oh, seen. Oh, that was, that was a good night. By the Stones. Um, <laughs> it's just, they're awesome. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to buy the guys from Andorra, like a Farmer's Almanac. For <laughs> yeah, they need a better strategy for, well, for it, their it, shit. It's luck. <laughs> so, is, so is once a month... That's your booking and touring strategy right now in the Philly area. The Philly, uh, the Philly area. So okay. it's actually, like I said, yeah, a little bit more than a month because that's just kind of the cycle that we've seen be yield, work. It works, it works for yeah. us. Yeah, um, yield the most results. Uh, but we're we're also flexible if the show makes sense. We'll kind of okay. push it down because I feel like one of the things that bands run into is you start promoting multiple shows in a market at one time, and people don't go. I'll go to this one instead of that one. They just go, I'll go to none of them. Yeah. So when you make it like one show at a time, people can kind of hold on to that. It's like, Oh, I haven't seen them in a while. I need to put that uh, one in the calendar. I want to go to that calendar. one. So that's the kind of the plan that we have. And then we've just kind of instituted this new thing. Also in that every six to eight weeks, um, kind of cycle is Morgan and I, the bass player in the band, also my wife, we, uh, do like little duo tours. Okay. Um, so we'll go, like calling Philadelphia the middle will go five hours in each direction okay. each tour. So like, that'll be like four to five day runs of just small gigs which, to kind of just push, which is a nice area being in the, the Northeast for us with if Philly's the center of the, yeah, DC, Baltimore. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. New York. You, yeah. you can hit all these Pittsburgh, yeah, y- even, absolutely. you know, yeah. you can hit all these great places in, in four to five hours, which yeah, is awesome. Yeah. Now I haven't seen you live, but Rob has. So Rob, give me a, give me a review. Wait, this isn't fair. Rob, did you only see a duo show? I've only ever seen a duo show. You right, saw our, so our first duo show. <laughs> was that at the truck? No. Do, oh, no. You, I'm sorry. You did see our band play. I forgot you were at the Wait, truck. Wait, did show. I? Was that a three-piece at the time? We were a three-piece. I was so far back. That, yeah, yeah. So you but, did. See, okay, that's, okay, you can now give an assessment. Okay. I, I was saying, if you only saw the duo show, this is not, it's not a fair not assessment. fair if you're only at the, our first duo show. At the truck? Was it in the balcony? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. so it was a balcony it was, show. Okay. That was super fun. Uh, I I wasn't expecting like anytime I would uh, for Andorra I would go. I've seen them like four times before oh, that great. show. Oh, awesome. So Andorra has kind of like helped me find yeah. a whole bunch of newer Philly bands, just like you well, guys. Well, that's, you're really generous with their Andorra is very generous, and that, that's actually kind of leading up to you know Andorra. Most of the bands that I played on my show from Philly. And, or that I've gone to see live from Philly, I've been introduced to through Andorra, whether they promoted, Kevin promoted the show, or, I mean, Kevin actually... Just had his hands in it somehow. Had his hands in it. Kevin great. actually, a lot of the questions I'm going to ask you today, Kevin actually gave me to ask you. That's how supportive... He knows all the dirt on our bands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what kind of guy Kevin is. He's a very generous person when it comes to... At one show, uh, Daddy Lap was playing, and the guitarist's uh, pedal board went out, and Kevin went and grabbed his own pedal board and, and, and handed it to him. And you don't see that, you know, in a, in a scene that's... <clears throat> can be competitive. Competitive. He's... And I'm sure he's competitive, but he's generous as well. And it's... As a, as in general, how supportive would you feel the Philly music scene is? Um, I think it's, it's pretty great, but that's, but that's because of Kevin... The, the way that I know the Philly scene is through Kevin. Like, I felt like, Morgan and I felt like we were kind of on the outside of the party for a while, just as you are when you're joining any new scene. Yeah. Um, but Kevin was, like, the first one to throw us, like, a lifeline and be like, hey, you can 
he can be a part of this too. And he's just that kind of guy. He's great. I, I can count. I've been bouncing around music scenes for a fairly long time. And I can count like on one hand, the amount of people that are like Kevin and there's just not a lot of them. So I'd feel really fortunate to be able to call him like a friend and, yeah. you know, have a working relationship with him. I think because he's, he's generated that, I think that sets the tone for the whole scene. You know, for the most part, I think <clears throat> a lot of the people I've talked to now, I'm an outsider. I'm not in the scene, but from an outsider, it seems that I think you're as much in the yeah. scene as the band <laughs> when you're playing them on your show. It's the yeah. same thing as playing a show. You, you know, know, but they they there's there's a significant amount of value to what you're adding to the scene. So well, I would call you. you as part of the scene. But like like Bruce from from Nightlife, Nightlife. you know, another great. You know, everyone's been really great and supportive to everyone. Um, and they have great sense of humor about it too, and 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 I love that. I don't know how other scenes are because I'm not a I'm not akin to that. So, but it seems special to me. I agree with you. I I feel really fortunate to be a part of it and to like have kind of active relationships with a lot of the bands that are that are pushing. I think one of the reasons why it's so good is because the data's in front of you, and everybody has access to the data on how everybody's doing, <laughs> um, whether or not you want to believe any social media metrics or streams or whatever that stuff means because there's always ways to inflate all you can manipulate that yeah but we all kind of understand that we're we're all in this together so the only way to kind of push forward is by supporting each other yeah so i think it's it's incredibly valuable to be kind and to be honest and authentic because we're all playing the same rooms you know you know, unfortunately, not everyone feels that way. But I think for the most they part... They can read it every, out quickly, though, I'll tell you. Yeah, everyone that I've met associated with the scene has been that way. But not everyone can be that way. So I, that's why I think it's kind of special, because there's the, the supportive outweighs the non-supportive significantly, right. which is which is awesome. So what... You, you mentioned your wife being bassist in the band. Yeah. So what's it like to be in a band with your wife? Um, I don't... I, I, I can tell you right now that I would not be in this band if it wasn't for her okay um, i just wouldn't have pushed this far um did it was it a plan to be in a band together or did it just kind of happen no i had um i've been kind of making music for most of my 20s uh play cover music for a living and then i was releasing original music here and there i signed an investment deal and that kind of you know was able to make a record and just but i never really made music that i necessarily felt was authentic to me because I had been kind of making music that people were like, you should do this. You sound like this person or, or blah, blah, blah. You know, all the things you fall into when other people start kind of entering into your career. And I was considering kind of like maybe putting music to the side. And I I started making this, this record, which ended up being the first Jamie and the Guarded Heart record. Um, And I said to Morgan, she had played bass when she was like in her teen, teen years. And um, she's like one of the, she just loves more mu- music more than like most people that I know. And I just asked her if she would want to pick up a bass again and kind of start a band. And she was totally in. So that's how it started. And, um, and it's been about two years? Yeah, two years uh, on September the 15th. So tomorrow. Awesome. As we are recording, as the crow flies. Uh, yeah, it, her level of authenticity is invaluable to the band. Awesome. It's, it's just, it's. So she wasn't involved in music before the band. Like, she played music, but she wasn't in the, no, the scene. No, So that's got to be refreshing, I would imagine, to a certain extent. It is. There is definitely not... It, it kind of allows you to be re-excited about things that you've maybe experienced a lot because oh. it's kind of her first time, like, first time touring, first time playing shows, and um, 
all of that stuff was like a new life was breathed into it. I, I, I felt really lucky to have. I think as listeners, a lot of people want to be cynical. It's like, oh my God, I, I can't believe you're in a band with your wife. Like it, like I, I got to interview Repeat Repeat, which is a, a husband-wife duo. And they're like, we've never spent a day apart since mm-hmm. since we've been dating. And this allows us to keep doing that. Yeah, we actually, we love this. Situation, yeah. You know, which is... Which is just really nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, I also think that I feel closer to who I am as a person because she's involved. Because she doesn't let any um, lies happen. There's no, <laughs> there's no inaccurate representation of myself. I'm always reminded that she is so much cooler than me. So it allows me to stay really grounded and focused in being like the person that I truly am, which is very helpful. <laughs> so you have you have new music out. Yes, we do. Now I'm putting Rob on the spot because I've listened to it. Before I say what I think about it, have you listened to Drop That Needle? No, I have you not. Have Rob, Rob, you had homework. You didn't do your homework. Rob, it's okay. It's a really long song, you know, <laughs> two minutes and 57 seconds long. <laughs> the attention span these days is pretty bad. <laughs> I did notice that everybody's releasing songs under three minutes. I think they are. No, <laughs> nobody has time. <laughs> so I, 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 I do love the song, but to oh, me, it, you know, and I, I love you as a band and I played you before. I think to me, and correct me if you feel differently, is going more in a direction of roots rock than your previous. What did you think the other stuff was? I don't know. I don't genre wise. I don't know if I would have classified it as roots rock, but definitely drop that needle. Feels roots rock. Feel roots rock to me. You know, I I think one of the things I think roots rock is just is is in our blood. Okay, it's kind of what we do. Um, I think the live representation of the band kind of comes out as a little maybe heavier not heavier as i'm like just maybe it's a little bit more power pop live all right and then once we start getting the production side of it you start to get excited about bringing in other instruments and it kind of starts leaning more towards roots rock well especially if you're you're touring mainly as a duo or a three-piece you're going to get a different yeah but i like as a listener i like hearing one thing on vinyl or, or however you listen to music and then seeing something different live. That's the attraction to going to see it live. Cause if, if you just wanted to, that's, to that's the, recording, you the just, whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So, we, yeah, we just try to capture the, what we've been trying to get in the studio is just the spirit of what we're able to do live. Cause I think live is the most important um, experience that I can have as a listener. So I feel that way as a performer too, even though obviously you know, having good recorded music is important. But when when I was trying to pick a co-host for this episode, I knew Rob had seen you live and really gushed about you guys live. So that's why oh, that's Rob right. is here today. So yeah, no problem. So give me your thoughts live. Tell me what you think. High action. High action. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I look for when I uh, go to a concert. I don't want to just see people just sitting there playing instruments. Absolutely. And so I've seen them at the upstairs with the truck and i saw them at the up festival yeah in college college it was yeah college yeah in May? Uh, yeah i know you guys seriously you put on an awesome show oh i really appreciate that that's our and, most that's our favorite place to be so <laughs> and jamie after five after the show just comes up to me and says hey because uh, i think kevin introduced us at the truck oh yeah we had met at the truck so uh jamie just comes up and says thanks for coming by and just 
being the personal good interaction. Yeah. So why not be fans? That means a lot. Because not 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 every band is that personable or or nice or or they, they, some do it for themselves and not not for the band. So it's always nice or not for the fans. So it's always nice when you get that interaction. We all love interaction. We that's why we're there. We want that personal. There's such a thin line between the performer and the audience member because in as soon as we're done playing in 15 minutes, we're going to be the audience member. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not different. Yeah. It's just that we're, we happen to create that day, but I go to plenty of shows where I'm not, I'm not the center of attention. And, <laughs> and uh, that's just the nature of, you know, loving music. I think it's the most important part. <laughs> I like to feel wherever I go, I'm the center of attention. That's, <laughs> that's, that's why I have my own radio show. <laughs> Wait, did I, did it sound like I wasn't playing when I was that? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it seems, speaking of Roots Rock, it seems that a lot of punk and rock artists, like the Killers, Against Me, Pearl Jam, are Guess starting to lean more towards a Heartland rock and roll sound during their later years. <laughs> so, oh, you noticed this too. Yeah, yeah. So, what, why do you We're think tired. that... Do you think that's what it is? <laughs> no, I think, I think what happens is you start to... Um, I think you start... Some of that rage that you feel, yeah. like in your early, like late teens, early twenties, mid twenties, um, starts to subside a little bit. Maybe you start to become a stronger focus on melody and production. You start to maybe have a little bit more money to yeah. produce records that have alternate kinds of production. Yeah. I write the songs in the band, and I write them all on acoustic guitar. So you kind of move from there um, to what's kind of going on. I think your palette just changes. Like, yeah. I don't think a lot of like, I don't know, 16 year olds love green beans. Well, you know, life changes as, as a 18 year old, I was, you know, angry, full of piss, you know, uh, was ready to take on the world, you know, and now that I'm, I'm almost 50, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a very incredible, loving relationship. I have two wonderful kids. I'm a father. It's, you know, you become more secure. Life changes. You're happy. You're not as angry. You find that, you know, life gives you the chance to find happiness. And eventually you find it. And it's hard to keep writing about how you're angry or you don't have money or life sucks. One life considerably gets better. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think for me, you, you stop necessarily wanting like to change like the whole world and you kind of just like want to change your world. Yeah. Um, and so like the victories become the, the important victories become the smaller victories. Yeah. So I think if you're to circle back around to like how these acts end up as like roots rock musicians, I think you just start to pay attention more to the subtlety. And I think that there's a, there just tends to be, I, and this is, I love punk rock music, yeah. like, you know, but I think there just tends to be a slightly more subtlety. It's in the recordings of, you know. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. So do you think that's where now at this point in your life, do you think that's where your songwriting process is? You were saying you start off, like all the songs start off acoustically on yeah. guitar. Do you think that itself takes on a different life form than if you were jamming with a band and everyone's plugged in? I, I do. I But you know what? To be honest with you, it's always we've always been a song first kind of band. Okay. Um, like there's just never going to be long guitar solos or, or breakdowns, or it's just kind of not what we do. Yeah. Um, the music that I grew up listening to is, 
you know, power pop music. Like I love Elvis Costello, Tom Petty. Um, Tom Petty is a great example. Like one of my favorites is that he can kind of, he, he was able to give with like both hands. Like you were able to get some rock and stuff and you were also able to get, you know, wildflowers, which is just sensitive. You know, and I think, and I want to actually talk to you about your influences now. And and we talked about this before we went on the air, but I think, what you mentioned about Tom Petty, some of my favorite artists are the ones that give both ways that way. And, and one that we, I, I want to talk about is Butch Walker. Another one for me is, you know, and I kind of stalked your Instagram. So we, we like a lot of the same, between tw- talking on Twitter and looking at your Instagram, we like, like a lot of the same artists. But someone like Ryan Adams, who will give you a rock and roll album, then will give you an all country album, then will give sure. you an acoustic album, is where I tend to go that someone's given you a little bit, they're giving you a glimpse into their life. And I think that everyone we just mentioned kind of does that. Yeah. Like who would you, who would you say your main influences are? Oh, it's absolutely Butch Walker um, and Tom Petty. I mean, I just love those two acts. Um, Gaslight Anthem, Brian Fallon, Against Me. Yeah. Those are bands that I just adore. I think, um, I would say though, Tom Petty musically for me is like, just doesn't get better because <laughs> yeah. he, he could just give you every kind of song and that's that's and, he and i'm did, all about songwriters and so. he did so for decades just, which is yeah, impressive unbelievable no i loved every time we talk i talk about butch walker i love when you can convert someone so when you and i were talking about butch walker and all the things he was involved in and all the things that he's involved in that people know but just don't know him like rob you did you know who butch walker was i've heard the name and I've heard it associated with other acts, but I really didn't know him as a uh, as an, as as an artist. artist. Right. But when you said marvelous, when you said marvelous three, I knew marvelous three from that one song in the '90s, and but I didn't know his his uh, producing and he's just got so many facets yeah. to his career. The, the wonderful thing about marvelous three was. That was pretty much still the heavy metal band South Gang, just minus the lead singer. Yeah, he just took over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just took over the lead singer. So they totally transformed themselves from heavy metal to power pop, and that just shows his versatility because he's written pop, he's written alt country, he's written uh, ballad singer songwriter. Like he, to me, the guy can do just about everything, and everything he does is good. Yeah, you know what? To speak to what you just said about how some of those acts kind of end up in the heartland rock and roll yeah. kind of thing later, I think some of that comes from you feel like you've done a thing, and now it's time to do something else. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know how Bruce Springsteen didn't get mentioned, but that's a guy who also gives with both hands. It, like, yeah. you're able to get just full full rock and roll I mean, you listen to those live recordings from like seventy six, eighty one, or whatever that with the full and, band, like, just you know, unbelievable stuff in Nebraska. Yeah, obviously. I was gonna say, and, just, and then he gives you Nebraska, and you're just like, oh, this guy can do it all, and yeah. you can still believe in it. Yeah, um, and you know, and even throughout his career, there were there was a period where maybe one album, two album didn't live up to the rest of the. Not saying they're not good, they just didn't live up to the rest of the catalog. But he consistently, I'm a big fan of his later stuff. Like, I don't his know, new record's actually really wonderful. If you go on a long drive, yeah. you should listen to the yeah. Western Stars or something. It's, it's beautiful. It's it, a whole record, which you don't get a lot of them now. No, and it's, you know, for a guy that basically grew up on the streets of Asbury Park, to where he's at now, he didn't lose that touch. He still lives. You would you think he works in a factory. You're he, like, does, yeah. he, does he have, like, a job? <laughs> this guy, he can't, he can't make to the gig tonight. He's got to work on a car or something. You know, but I've heard stories where um, – 
you know, on Halloween, he'll open the gates to the mansion and let people come up. And then he'll invite them in and play an acoustic set. And then after he does that, he'll close the gates. So it's like he'll he'll be like, yeah, if you're willing to venture in, I'll open the gates. You can come in, see what's going on, and he'll give you a little glimpse. And then it's like, all right, I'm done. You know, it's pretty cool. You know, there's not too many, (laughs) not too many people of his stature that would do that. I I really think though that the people that can maintain that kind of connection are the people that were like real fans. Yeah, like loved somebody so much, like. Like Tom Tom Petty loved and the Heartbreakers the, being the backing, like guys. like being the backing band for Johnny for, Cash and during, during yeah yeah do, like during Cash's comeback yeah. they're the backing band like yeah it doesn't get <laughs> yeah I just think if you don't lose touch with that feeling of like I mean I get excited when I go to a show and I just see the amps up on stage yeah. and I'm just like this is great I'm yeah. so excited to be here or or you get those little clips of a band making a record and you can see them talking to each other in the control room and you're like I just can't wait to hear it I think that if you have that fire it doesn't go away no matter how successful you get if you start out with that fire yeah. if you kind of get into music because you want to be rich you want to be rich yeah. you want to be famous or whatever the thing is like I think that it's easy to lose touch with 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 everybody yeah because, if, yeah, if, if you know. you're yeah you know but it's you even look out of out of these genres you look at eminem mm-hmm. and he even he's even said he goes you know it's tough when all of your songs are about being poor and then you're not poor yeah. <laughs> you know and then comedians have that problem too. yeah yeah it's like it's it's tough when you're talking about how bad things are and then things are good actually jamie fox i just watched something where he's like all of a sudden i'm doing hummer jokes oh, and it's dude, totally oh, comedians and cars. <laughs> saying, um, yeah i saw that too yeah he's he like was fantastic on that episode he he that's that's my he is such a star you're he, like oh this guy's definitely a star all the impersonations <laughs> that he doesn't even on. do uh, in his act that he's hitting, you're like, wow, this guy's good. Sometimes you're just like, oh, I get why he's so successful. <laughs> <laughs> Classically trained pianist. Pianist, yeah. And then funny as hell. Oh, so good. You know, but it's that's my new favorite obsession is that show. I can't. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> I, I run every morning on a treadmill and I need to watch something where I would lose my mind. And uh, that was my thing for like a few months was comedian and all right, Rob. Have you seen any of it? Do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, Jerry. Uh, Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is yeah. the uh, is driving cars and yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. It. I like it. Not my thing totally, but 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 I like it <laughs> right. from what I've All seen. Right. Are you a comedy fan? Oh, I love comedy. Okay. But that show's not... No, no. Morgan hates watching people talk to each other, so if you're not somebody that likes to watch people (laughs) talking to each other, I can understand. Well, I I loved, like, the Eddie Murphy one to get, like, just, like, what's going on, like, like, comedians talking about what it's like to be a comedian, how hard it is, and how hard it was coming up, like, that kind of background stuff, like, when they're just being funny... There's a lot of things you can watch and be funny, but when you're getting, like, the -the behind-the-scenes insight, to me, that's what I enjoy about it. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. Um. I. I do. I. I there. I. I don't want to like. I know this is a podcast, and well, I listen at work. I listen to podcasts. Okay. All the time, and uh, the one I only listen to really is Conan O'Brien. Oh, his is great. It's, it's uh, maybe the best podcast. Meeting friends. Meeting friends. I think it's called. I, I don't know it. It, it is the funniest i i could listen to the same ones over and over uh dana carvey he's doing like a six episode arc with dana carvey right now and i've never heard so funny yeah it's it's insane and 
I'm like, I want to do a podcast now. <laughs> They're just so, they operate on such a high level, those two people together. It's and just the, unbelievable. the impersonations, as many people coming out of Dana Carvey and Conan that you could possibly find, it's it's crazy. Just, yeah, so. just Conan as a creative entity, knowing that he was involved in The Simpsons during like, like the prime the years. Heyday. Yeah. I mean, that's you what know, I was like watching. Season four, like through, I think, eight and Saturday Night Live. I think Conan wrote the, um, if you're familiar with the Tom Hanks, John Lovitz, like the hello, goodbye. Like that was Conan O'Brien. Like that's, it's amazing. Like how much funny stuff he's done throughout his life. Like, but not everyone can still get behind a microphone and be like, you can write that stuff, but that doesn't mean you can get out in front of people and be funny like that. But he's pretty yeah. self-deprecating. <laughs> he's, he's someone that uh, is also the same that I, feeling that I had when I was watching Jamie Foxx was that when I started listening to Conan's podcast, he was somebody that I was like, wow, this is why this guy is successful. Yeah. He's just he's just so much funnier than everybody else when he talks. <laughs> you know, and, and when they put him on on TV, nighttime TV, no one really knew who he was, but people were like, no, this guy's funny. Like in the 90s. Yeah, the 90s, like, yeah, when he uh, took over the letter. When he had his first yeah. run. Right? You know, it's like, Who's this guy? And they're like, no, nah, trust us. You know, you're you're gonna find out. He's, he's like the Butch Walker of, of late night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just wait he until is. you find out what he's done. <laughs> All right, so I want to go back to your song, and this is Rob will appreciate this because behind the scenes we have a, a music group me chat where we're constantly talking music, a oh, bunch of cool. us, and and everyone in it we all met through Radio One Hundred Four Point Five. So we, you know, I may I met. Our friend Angela at a studio session, she introduced me to Rob, you know, and that's how that's I awesome. met Ryan. Like, I met at that same studio session, the guy behind me in line to meet the alarm. We're looking at each other. We realized we went to high school together, <laughs> and, you know, but didn't know we were on the baseball team together, didn't know each other. And he invited me to another show later, and he's like, you really shouldn't meet my friend Ryan, you know, so that's oh, how, how cool. we all met each that. other through music. So we have this big group chat. So... I wanted to ask you how ironic it is for you that your song Drop That Needle, which uses the lyrics, the songs I love, don't care about your radio, got played on the radio. Yeah, in a bunch of different radio stations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is how I feel about it. I think that most people that are on the radio don't like the songs that they're playing on the radio. <laughs> I think that when they get into their car, they don't listen to their format. Not, I don't know anybody specifically. I'm just saying that everybody feels like the thing that they love is not being represented in it, pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's, I don't, so I think that the person, the people that have played us feel that way in one way or another when. So I don't think it's a, they take it as an offense. I think they go, me, I agree. <laughs> but, I but, but you know, it's, here's my rant. And I'm going to say, and Rob has heard me do this for like the last six months, <laughs> you know, and I, I won't say the radio station, but in Philadelphia, we have one alternative radio station. Yeah. And I love the DJs and I love the promotions, but they don't play the music I love. Yeah. And, you know, and, I don't feel that I, I think the downfall of radio in general, at least in our area and, and, and yeah, radio is still a thing, but it's not what it was because they do all this research of what will go over well in your city. We have all this market research. This band's not going to do it's well here. This, you know what? I don't think it's accurate. And I, I think, cause we go to these shows, like they're, they'll say, 
we did market research. Joy Wave isn't going to be big in Philly. Philly doesn't want Joy Wave. So but then you at? go to a Joy Wave show and it's sold out and it's all that radio station's listeners. You know, and it's I don't feel I feel radio has all ulterior motives and I, I kind of feel that they're also not always allowed to have an opinion of you know, everything's great, they love everything they play on the air. When you know that's not the truth. Like like you just said, it's not everyone likes what they play. That's my great for radio. Just be just be real. So it's, I I, com- I mean I completely agree with you. I think so. I've been fortunate enough to um, to get to know some of the people in, yeah. in, in different radio stations, and everyone that I've become like personal friends with are just like wonderful, music loving, music championing people. Yeah. People that truly care about music. But uh, here's an example. Um, Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. So they have music that they play in their in their restaurant, and there's a corporate headquarters wherever that is. Let's yeah. just say Illinois, that sends each of these places a forty song CD, yeah. and you just play it. Like the general manager of that specific Cheesecake Factory might only listen to country or whatever, yeah. but they're not. That's not getting played because hey. you know what? This is what's going to make people buy an extra piece of cheesecake. Yeah. So this is what we have to play. I kind of feel like. It's a shame that some of the people that work in radio kind of have to deal with that kind it, of thing. It's a job for them. And and I'm fortunate because I get to do this because I don't get paid for it. And I get to do yeah, what I want. Once money starts entering in, yeah. it starts getting a little bit more convoluted, a little more I, complicated. I get to play what I want to play. I get to say what I totally appreciate was the other day I tuned into WXPN, which is public radio here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And the DJ introduced a train song by saying, <laughs> here's a song that I loathe. Or here, here's the worst song in the world by a band that I hate. And then he played, he played the song, and I was like, so funny. "Wow, that's awesome!" Like, you know, but he still played it because that's what people wanted to hear. But at least he got to say, and he wasn't. He was like, "Hey, not to offend anyone, if you really like this band, I just don't get it. Change my mind." I you would, know? I would love that kind of dialogue. I would love to hear some honest opinions, and I would also love to be like, "Well, I don't like you anymore because I really love that band, <laughs> or whatever it <laughs> yeah. is, you know." Like, but, but that's okay. Like, let's take some risks. Pierre Robert, it, is, and that's why he's successful. He's I feel remarkable. Yeah, I mean that guy really feels like he actually is invested in the songs that he's playing and he tells you these stories he like has created a format he's recreated a format that maybe existed in a different time but does not exist or is not allowed to exist on the radio exactly which is such a bummer i'm gonna share my story why i want to hate pierre robert and i've told this story before but i can't hate him but the reason why i want to hate him so i have a good friend that's in the music industry that i went to high school with so this was about a year ago i get a phone call like in the middle of the day and she lives in la and i'm like is everything okay and she goes yeah hey uh what are you doing tonight and i'm like mm, nothing why and she goes would you like to uh mc the tom morello uh album premiere in philly and i was like what <laughs> and she's like well the um the host had to back out and they're scrambling trying to get a host so you would interview tom on stage mc the whole night you know introduce he's going to play the the whole album in its entirety you know and i was like oh my god like this is what i've dreamt of i'm not ready for this she's like just be you you'll be fine just go out and do it like tell me you're going to do this and i'm like i'm going to do it i'm like but i have a meeting that i'm going into i'm going to be like an hour hour and a half I will call you when I'm out of the meeting for the details. So I had my meeting. I'm all excited. I'm nervous. Like, cause it's like, I have no time to even prepare or think it's that night. She goes, the questions are already written for you. You just have to show up, be you. 
So I get out of the meeting and I call her. She goes, yeah, I'm really sorry. Uh, Pierre Robert is going to do it. <laughs> so, so I was Pierre like, what? Robert stole your dream. Yeah, I was like, what? No. I'm like, he's got uh, like a million others. She's like, no, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, they stepped up. They're going to sponsor the show. He's he's only been a Philadelphia staple since 1973. It, no exactly. But, you know, and then everyone sent me photos of him on stage with Tom Morello. Going, very happy. Yeah. He's like all he's back. He's actually wearing an F-money shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, in the same respect, I've had Pierre Robert uh, experiences that were, I was at a concert, a band from Philly called The A's from the 70s that got back together. And I have a sister that lives in England who loved the A's, and I went to this concert for her to meet the band and get their autograph. And I had everyone but the lead guitarist, and I, I had left the venue because they made us leave, and I snuck back in and went backstage, and I'm trying to talk to the lead guitarist who who toured with Roger Waters. He was the lead guitarist for the Wall Tour oh for Roger gosh, Waters. Yeah. So, like, he's he's a big deal, and I can't get this guy's attention, and I'm getting ready to leave, and someone grabs me by the back and pushes me up to him and goes, Rick, I know you're a really busy man, but this gentleman's been patiently waiting to talk to you. Can you please take a moment and spend with him? And it was Pierre Robert. Oh my gosh. And I was like, wow, Pierre Robert's like... <laughs> I just feel like he's a man of the people. <laughs> but I want to hate him, but I can't. I, I can't. That's so, how you know he's good. <laughs> yeah, he's that good. But that's, that's my beef with radio in general, not just... You know, I, I feel that... That's stations, not Philly radio. That's that's nationwide. That, that's radio. nationwide. You know, and I feel that risks aren't take. It's been watered down to very vanilla. Yeah, but and can, it's, can we make this argument nearly in every facet yeah, of, I, of media? You're right. It's such a bummer, but, but just like what you're doing is you're seeking out a space to be creative and to and to make your own rules. You're also seeking out bands that, that aren't necessarily being pushed up in the spaces that you don't like. I mean, but that that's where we're fortunate in this yeah. time is that we can find our space and we can hopefully find our people. And we know? can have a voice and, and make it, you know, and that's where I-99 was born. Ryan Smith, the owner of I-99, got tired of not hearing what he wanted to hear on the radio. And he was like, well, can I just have my own radio station? <laughs> You're like, can I do that? And he figured out how to do it. It's, it's pretty amazing. And it's, and he's very supportive too. Like without going into details, like we just had the fifth, uh, I-99 birthday bash with Dreamers at at an incredibly small venue in Philly and he took a bath on that. Yeah. I mean, he really did. He did that for the love of what he does, not as a money-making Those are profit. the crusaders, guys like him. You know, and I don't know how he did it. And he, he probably lost 20 pounds and, and you know, and, and gobs of hair that night <laughs> going through all the stress, but he did it for the love of music. There was no financial gain at all they he didn't even come close to breaking even but he didn't care like he at the end of the night he had dreamers on stage at uh why can't i think of the name of the, the venue right Is across the, the street from, yeah the barbary That's you know true. at a venue that that band had no right playing a venue that small you know and here we are and i got to introduce the the band it was just amazing you know and that's i love that place it, it, it really is a great place all right so to, to keep it moving a little bit, because I know I don't have you forever. One of the segments from my old podcast that I'd like to bring to the new podcast is a game called Strongest Link, Weakest Link. Mm -hmm. So it was introduced to me by my friend who was in the industry that used to tour manage, Tom Morello. And he introduced this game to her, and they would play it on the tour bus. So you, you name a band, mm -hmm. 
And then you have to say who the weakest link in the band is okay. and who the strongest link okay. in the band is. So I kind of rate it your Instagram, as I said. Okay. Um, so the Ramones, strongest link, weakest link. I'm going to ask both of you. You have to participate too, right? It's tough because they each had such a distinct... The Ramones, Joey yeah. Ramone, yeah. strongest link. Okay. Weakest link, they're five drummers. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but it, you there's could, five of them. There's only one Joey. The, I, final answer. You could quite arguably say though, Tommy Ramone put together a format that all the other drummers. But I guess, I guess, if you put a format that any, <clears throat> what if you were to say the original original lineup include Tommy? They just formed. No, the that's not the question. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Rob. Do you know enough about the Ramones to weigh in? Uh, my. No, Joey Ramone. So I'm going to say he's the strongest link. Okay. And Dee Dee Ramone, maybe the weakest. Dee Dee wrote all the music. Oh, okay, never mind. Dee Dee was the guy. Dee Dee wrote all the music. You know, I, and, and Johnny. I love Joey because he was the tallest. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and obviously once once he passed, the band ceased to exist. Yeah. You know, he was the voice. But Johnny created that buzzsaw guitar. Um, you I know. watched a really terrible documentary about the Ramones, um, but it made me actually love them more. You know what's my favorite Ramones song is Pet Cemetery. Really? Yeah, That's... which is such an unpopular song. I love that whole record is an unpopular Ramones record not to like, but I love that record. I don't know what my favorite song is by them. That's Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. Oh, that's good. I think. Sheena was a punk rocker. That's a good one. That's a great song. You know, the first three albums, it's amazing to me that the first three albums were written before they recorded yeah. any album. That's what, like, they had in the can those three albums. And then the, each song, there was like 12 songs in each record and clocked yeah. in at like 20 <laughs> like, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, these guys are great. All right, let me give you another one. Uh, the Replacements. We talked about The Replacements earlier. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, strongest can I, can I say so Paul Westerberg okay because um, he was the one kind of championing the songs writing songs yeah. right yeah. but I also think that he might have been the weakest link as well I, I think oh I really like that that's a good answer because you know I think Bobby Stinson between the brothers yeah getting Bobby Stinson out of the band was probably Paul Westerberg yeah he had so a he could take over yeah it's harder yeah. when you're kind of the lead singer the songwriter kind of have like he can kind of bulldoze people. Um, it, yeah. Just out of, out of the sake of trying to get to your creative, like, ending point. So there's probably less collaboration as they continued on. And I think that they probably also wouldn't have made it that far without them. And they probably destructed because of him. You know, that's a really, you know, it's because I think arguably you could say weakest link. You could say the drummer, you know, obviously, because Tommy Stinson, you know, created a bass that, you know, and an energy for that band, you know, and, and Bobby. He was like 15 or something. Yeah, like it, it, it's crazy, but I like that. Do you know enough about the replacements, Rob? No, not to weigh in. See, I can't ask you about Weezer because it's all, you know who the strongest link is. Yeah. I don't think it matters who the weakest link is. <laughs> you know who the, the strongest link is. Um, all right, one more. ACDC. Mm -hmm. That's tough. That would be a Morgan question. She is a... Uh by far a bigger ACDC fan than okay. I am. Only, I mean, I'm, I love ACDC, but she could actually 
drill down on some ACDC facts. All right. Maybe we'll leave that for a follow-up for when we post the podcast on social media. See she can we, weigh in. Yeah, she'll just start commenting. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> All right. Tell me, because um, I know we're, we're getting limited on time, talk to me about the Late Nights and Open Mics tour that you've been doing. So the Late Nights and Open Mics tour, um, what it is is uh, it's Morgan and I going out as a duo. Okay. Uh, we're playing so open mics tend to have like a featured spot where normally at an open mic you can play like two or three songs it seems to be traditionally the amount of songs you get to play okay a featured spot they give you like 30 minutes okay so you're able to kind of do a set and with open mics you can kind of um play to more people they're ne- not necessarily in traditional venues yeah. so you kind of have people with like slightly more open minds because they're not there to just see one act they're kind of just there or yeah. they came with a friend who's like just getting going or like they're supportive people in general so and they're usually frequented by local musicians who are in a scene usually hosted by somebody in a scene so you can kind of trade shows like we have shows offered in philly so you know when we'll play let's say boston we can be like hey when you come through philly we'll throw you on a show you know, awesome. We'll do this, and if you do the same for us when we come back to Boston, so you can kind of build your network that way. Um, it allows us to we call it just like an infomercial for our band, so we're able to just kind awesome. of go be like, hey, here's a taste of what we do. If you like our songs, you kind of like our vibe. Check out our band. We're going to come through with the band and come to a show. You know? Now that you're touring these other cities, are you are you getting a network? Are there other bands in other cities that you're starting to? Yeah, it's a real to thing. mesh with, yeah. It's touring's. We're at a point now where I don't know if I can continue the band unless there's a touring element, because we're doing all the stuff that one band can do locally that can't necessarily be a quote full time band because yeah. we both have jobs. Um, but we put as much into a band as anyone could possibly put into a band. So I need that other element. I need the touring element because you're seeing it in real time. Meeting some, playing a show, meeting someone, and then seeing that like on Instagram, and then them messaging you, it was nice to meet you. There's a real human arc yeah. to the experience that I need as a performer at this stage in the game. So and you I, could see and like it actually connected. And I love that at that level. Like one of the conversations that I had with Kevin at Andorra is like, you know, we don't just have to hang out at gigs. Like, <laughs> like we can be friends. Yeah, we yeah. can be friends. That's you know, like if you want to have a beer, like let's have a beer. Like, don't be afraid to give let's me a Let's go to a show together. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. And yeah. that's, I think that, would you agree, Rob? That's what we love about this scene. Is yeah, that, definitely. Like, because you start going to these shows and you start becoming friends with the other people in the audience. Like, our music group chat who was all met through other concerts is probably like 15 deep, 20 deep, you know, at any given time. And, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's, I love that. I love that my well, best friends I met through music. It's supposed to be about a community. We're supposed to be connecting. We're not supposed to be, there's not supposed to be some weird hierarchy of like, I'm in a band and you're the fan. Like yeah. that's not how this works anymore. Like this is, like we need to all push each other up. We're all individually trying to do something, whether it's in the arts or whether you know it's it's a furniture maker or something. We all got things to offer, yeah. and we could all help each other. And like we're all just gonna kind of push each other to the top. And like, and for, I don't even mean top of the pops. I just mean like just a, a greater 
a greater connection. Good. Yeah. yeah. And it is a community. It's yeah. not just a couple bands. It's not just a couple fans. It's, it's a community. And yeah. I, I would, I everybody would, has value in that too. Exactly. It's an I important agree. ecosystem. I think is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I like that. I like that. And because of uh, Ryan Smith, I, I didn't even know a local scene until, uh, he did an I 99 radio, uh, show. And then I met Endora through there. And then, you know, it's just kind of, you know, just this world of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and it's funny, like the first, the first Andorra show I went to the opening act blew me away. I'm like, who's St. Slumber, you know, and here they are, you know, and it's, it, it really pains me that Adam's no longer in St. Slumber. Cause I really feel his bass lines lent so much to early St. Slumber music. But then, you know, at the last show I get to meet Mickey James because Adam, <laughs> Adam is his bass player and shows up at the gig with Mickey James, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, that's it. You don't disappear for too long. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 a pretty cool community and ecosystem to be a part of, and it just yeah. keeps getting bigger and better. And it's 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 welcoming enough that everyone everyone's welcome, and that's what I like about it. So we're getting close to the end. I want you to promote yourself. Talk to me about your upcoming Halloween shows. Well, we so the first show that we have coming up is um, we're playing September twenty eighth. It's a it's a music festival on the rooftop of Whole Foods in Plymouth Meeting. Wow. Um, there's a, another podcast. You guys should be on each other's podcast. Um, Bob Cahill, the Bobcast. Oh, He's I didn't a know that. great podcaster out of uh, like Philadelphia area. Okay. And so he puts on this festival like usually every year. So awesome. it was actually our first gig was at the first one. Okay. Um, so, so that's on the 28th. Um, and then we play the Grape Room on October 26th, which will be a Halloween show. We will be dressed up. Awesome. I, are, are you encouraging the uh, the fans to show up? And I'm encouraging the fans to show up. Okay. And then... <laughs> <laughs> to, to show up, period. Period. Uh, and then also, we will be in costume, and we'll think you're a lot cooler if you're in costume. Awesome. Um, and then I think late, maybe the week after that, or the first week in November, we'll probably be doing another um, open mics and late nights part three tour somewhere awesome um that's not locked in yet but we are working on that and then i think there's a small tour of ohio we're talking to Ooh. our friends and jacob and the good people out of atlanta that we're probably going to jump on that's so, awesome so there's some stuff coming up there's a lot going on so and and how can everyone find you best ways which which social media it's just instagram i mean okay. we're on we're on all of it but we do all of our our kind of hub is out of instagram that's right. and that's okay. just at, at Jamie and the guarded heart Awesome. Awesome. All right. Real quick. What's your favorite Philly venue? Favorite Philly venue? The Grape Room. I got a, I love the Grape Room. I, I mean, because so Maniunk is such a hip town and cool town and there's an insomnia and cookie. And I'm very not hip, so it's very <laughs> nice that that's my favorite. <laughs> but it's a great room and awesome. it's a very uh, supportive. It's so, also a staple in the Philly scene. It's been there for so long. I mean, you can move back to the original location. Like, Hailstorm played there, I believe, when they were still a Philly band. <laughs> I awesome. think, yeah. So it's yeah, it's got that kind of history to it. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I love rooms of that size. Um, also, those are like yeah. my favorite kind of venues to play, and you could kind of see the people, and it's just man, it's fun. It's a great place. Yeah. It's a great. I've always had a great time. You know, it's always fun to watch who shows up at at the Grape Room too. Yeah. Like you see, like Ken Queter, like like big Philly people like all of a sudden you're like, well, look who's, look who's here in the audience. Like look who wandered in. I, I opened up uh, when I was younger, I opened up for Brian Brooklyn there. Really? And, like just the, 
his band Brooklyn from the 80s was super awesome. They opened for like Emerson, like Palmer and like, all those guys. But he, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. That scene has like, I mean, that everybody in, that's come out of Philly knows the great brew. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So Jamie, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy oh, schedule. It's so much fun. I appreciate uh, having me. And joining me, Rob, thank you for, for co-hosting today and being a part of this. Thanks for inviting me. Anytime. So please pick up new music by Jamie and the Guarded Heart. Anywhere you buy music, you can also stream them on Apple Music or Spotify. Thank you to everyone for listening to the F Money Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Fran underscore Chismar. That's C-H-I-S-M-A-R. And on Facebook at The F Money Show. Once our hiatus is over on I-99, you'll be able to listen to my show every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard on I-99radio.com. You can also follow this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up on the next episode, we have the return of Kevin McCall from Andorra. We'll try to be a little less creepy this time. Uh, we're going to talk about their new music release coming up in October. And how about... We play the new, to, to end this, how about we play Drop That Needle by Jamie and the Guarded Heart? What do you think? I would love for you to do that. All right, awesome. Thank you for tuning in. I am Fran Chismar, and we will see you when the needle drops. Last time I saw her face, she was looking the other way. Wearing those dark jeans and Radio.